0: Traveling the Vortex
1: We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrived at episode 540 We've come to get our ball back
2: I'm Keith
3: (laughs) I'm Sean I'm Glenn How are you guys doing? Pretty good Doing good you guys do anything fun this week? Everybody's caught up on Mandalorian, right? Except well,
1: for
2: what aired
3: today. <laughs> not, the, not the days. But we can talk about episode one. Yes, episode one. It's so good. The spoiler work, no, it's not. <laughs> it was terrible. No, it is. It's it's It does nothing but set up plots for the rest of the season. That's all it does. That's what
2: the first episode of a show is supposed to do. At well, the beginning of the season. N-
3: not, not the way this one does. This one heavy-handedly does it. There's absolutely nothing, it, it, first of all, it opens and treats us like half of us didn't watch Book of Boba Fett or Mandalorian Season 2.5.
2: Half of us didn't.
3: Because it goes through that whole exhibition of of going and he's got to go take a bath in order to get back in the cult. And so we go through that, which is just a repeat of what we already know he's got to do. And then uh, we get introduced to these pirates that. And that's the other thing is he comes to the planet at the first the the big action piece of it is him flying in and, and saving the the group of uh, mandos that he you know is trying to get back into, and by shooting that beast and and that's a great scene the setup scene's awesome I loved it I thought that the the visuals were really good and the action was fun, but then nothing happens for a while, he ends up going to meet what's his name um, Apollo Creed, and he. <laughs> and the frustrating thing about that is he's trying so hard to get back into this cult that he absolutely shouldn't because we all know that it's not good for him because he's got, you know, Grogu and he could be a father, you know, raise this kid. He already is. He's and he's taking, already learned
1: that man, other Mandalorians can take their heads right, and helmets off the of Right,
3: exactly. And he's made this choice. and so But he's still gung-ho to get back into this group. And so but he goes to visit what's his name and spins his wheels there because all that happens is him offering him a marshalship and a plot of land, which he should take anyway. And really, I mean, the show would be over if he did that. It wouldn't be exciting. There wouldn't be more adventures. I, I understand that. I'm not, I'm not <laughs> saying Book of
2: Boba Fett 2.0. Yeah, well,
3: I'm not saying that 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 it would make for a good show. But when you do that and you realize the stupidity of turning something like that down. Then that makes me mad. That frustrates me. I just I wish they hadn't done that. Maybe do that later. You know, offer that to him, and give it back. And then we got we set up some sort of little pirate plot. I, I like the fact that the the whatever the place is that Apollo lives is you know they're they're cleaning it up. and It's changed. And we've got these pirates that show up to this school that used to be a pub, and they're throwing their weight around. And you know they give them a lesson. But there's nothing to that. There's I mean. Other than being in an exciting little scene, it doesn't do anything except for set up the little chase scene. It you know, when they're they're uh, going away and trying to go to find I wish were they on their way to Bo Katan? I don't remember where they were headed. Anyway yeah, they're headed to bo they they're on their way and then this the, the pirates show up and you think, oh, it's it's retribution for what happened on the on the planet. And no, it's it it's a way to set up this other guy. Who's you know going to end up being an adversary in one of the plot lines of a story later on, and then and then that's it. That's there's nothing else. It ends and it's like, what's the point of doing this twenty minute I mean, it's, what it is is this twenty minute setup that could have been done probably in five minutes is a little short, and then got into the meat of it because I'm going to tip my hand just a little bit. The second episode's really good. And so I got really frustrated after I saw how good the second one was because I thought, well, if I'm let down by the second one, then it's just the the writing of the season. But the first episodes, nothing happens. It's a bunch of exposition. It's a guy that's going to take a bath. He's telling us he's got to take a bath in order to get back in the cult. (laughs) They decide, oh, you know what was really cool? An asteroid field uh, battle and, and chase in Empire Strikes Back. Let's do that again. And it feels yeah, people like people love asteroids. It feels like a rehash and a catch up of everything that's gone before, and they don't need to do that in this show. So that, anyway, that's my opinion. What'd you like about it,
2: Keith? You want to field that one, or... <laughs> go for it, Sean?
3: Now they don't know. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Glenn's got a point. It wasn't very good. <laughs> I, 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 well, I, I, I
1: think to your points is the fact of that's why they should not have stepped away from the book of Boba Fett the way they did. Stepped they away from that... it,
3: or stepped away to it?
1: In Book of Boba Fett, they shouldn't have stepped away to Mandalorian. Yeah, they yeah. should have come up with another resolution for Boba Fett and given right. us that be the first episode. I think they could, have had,
3: they could have had Mando show up at the end and have a cameo, but yeah, they didn't need all that, all that a huge, Mandal- Mandalorian stuff. They didn't
1: need a whole episode of The Mandalorian in the Book of Boba Fett. Right. That episode should have been episode one of the new season.
3: Yeah,
1: agreed. And then getting back Grogu and then going to get his redemption, quote unquote.
3: Yeah, because if you, do, I, I, I if see you, your points. It's you, a it's valid you, argument. If you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, and they they're assuming that you didn't because they're trying to catch people up. If you didn't watch Book of Boba Fett, though, you didn't know how he got back with Gro, got back together with Grogu. You yeah, don't know how, how, how he got he back? The, why he's wearing the chainmail armor that you can see underneath his little tunic. You, I mean, you don't get any of that yet. So, I don't know. Bad decision. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I've already had my say.
2: <laughs> okay, I will freely admit that maybe just the fact that, hey, Mando's back is what's got me excited.
3: Yeah, it. no, and I can see yeah. that. I mean, it yeah. is, I was excited. I jumped up and watched it first thing in the morning, but.
2: it It, it is a little heavy handed.
3: But I think it's a different
2: type of storytelling. I, I think Mandalorian has kind of, from the beginning, been, you know, the space western and other star, I, I think partially, and I still haven't watched uh, Andor yet, but I think partially Andor, from what I understand, is such a, it's on a different plane show um, than, than what Mando is. Mando's kind of, I hate to say this, but aiming for the cheap seats. It's flashy and entertaining, and that's about it. Whereas Andor, from from what I've heard, is this is what Star Wars could be, you know? Um, and so on that base level of here's something fun with a character that everybody seems to like and his cute kid doing, you know, Lone Wolf and Cub. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. I'm 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 fine with what you presented me because it's we got a little adventure, we got a little setup. Uh the pirate bad guy is obviously gonna be the, the villain for the you know this part of the season. He's rocking a very Pizza the Hut vibe. I was okay with, with with that. I thought that was cool. Um I liked are we going with with uh, Mando Dial or uh, 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 Crocolorian for the <laughs> <laughs> the the, the uh, cocaine bear with teeth? What are we going with with that thing?
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, that I kept waiting when they when they did the the, the tethers. I kept waiting for the uh, Jindy Tartakovsky Clone Wars electrocution thing. And instead it just rolled over and took them all with it. I'm like, that was not a good plan. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to chain myself to the beast. Mm. Mm. This is going to end poorly for you.
3: Oh, you know what? The other thing that I'm going to interrupt because I forget this again. That's why he went back and saw Apollo because he wanted to go, I'm going to use these names because I can't remember anybody's name. I,
1: I don't but fully understand why he needs he the droid. He go,
3: that's just it. He goes there to get the dang droid. They do their own little shot job to get him to uh, reawaken. And, of course, he's revert, reverted back to original programming and tries to kill him. And then they take him to these little, these little which are adorable. The scene's great. I love the little guys that, <laughs> that are working on him. But they need this part. And so he has to go get this part. And that was just another thing that, okay, we're setting up another plot line for this. I agree with you, Sean, that, that this show is and should continue to be that that fun and flashy Western story. But this first episode doesn't even feel like any other episode of Mandalorian. It feels like the first episode of Book of Buffett where a lot of nothing happened.
2: Well, they're definitely setting. I mean, when he says, it's what if I go get side the part missions. for you? Yeah, but you, don't, like, oh, okay. you shouldn't it's,
3: have to do that it's... because none of Mandalorian did that in the past. Every every story led to another story and it built upon itself and it didn't need to set up the entire season. And for some reason, um, uh, Favreau felt like he needed to set up all the plot lines for the rest of the, the, the season. And I don't know why he felt he needed to do that.
1: The rest of the season, the missions of the rest of the season must not be in chronological order. So he must have felt like he needed to, you know, oh, he needs to go get this part. Well, okay, why do we need to go get this part? Well, it's got to it feels like he kind of worked backwards from what he did, where he couldn't make them seamlessly go into each other like previously. Yeah. That's possible.
2: I, I agree. The the, the the fetch quest is I'm not real excited about, because I feel like we've been there, done that, and, you know okay, I'm going to go get this bounty. Oh, I lost my ship. Okay, I got to go get the Jawas that did it. Oh, I got to do this first. Oh, I got to go over here. I, that That's kind of been the M.O. of the show. I disagree with you there, because that's very much what they've done. Is <laughs> This is the path, this is the way, but we're going to go over here. and They take the long around way around. Yeah, we're <laughs> very much going to take a lot of detours to get there. And I agree with you that you know, yes. Take the plot of land, settle down, become a marshal. That's totally what you should do. And there's still plenty of adventures to be had. There's a school for Grogu. You're all set. But as you pointed out, the show's over at that point.
3: Yeah, but it makes it. It, it shows how stupid Mando's being. He did because he's shown a lot of growth in two and mm-hmm. a half seasons. He's shown a lot of growth, and he's he has become educated by. Life adventures, things that's happened to him, and he's grown as a character. But when you present that to him, and he immediately turns it down because he's going back to his old ways, it's that presenting that at this point was to me uh, futile, and and made me mad. I I think it it made me mad because I thought I I was giving him, you know, uh, more credit yeah
2: i think deserves. it shows more just how indoctrinated he is i mean this this is all he's known because he, he was brought into this he, you have to remember he's not he he was also a, what is it a foundling and the, the the cult brought him in and brought him up so he's been brainwashed by these people from day one and as bo katan pointed out at the end of the episode it was you your cult that fought with that cult that caused this cult that fractured Mandalore to begin with that mandalore is not a power anymore if you guys had all stuck together you would have kicked everybody's butt um because that's how that's how great a warrior clan there is but the individual clan politics completely shattered it but that's all he knows is is that and he stepped out of his comfort zone in the first two seasons dealing with grogu and getting attached and You know, this is the extent to which he will go to protect the little guy. And now that he's got him back, he's kind of retreating back to what's familiar and comfortable because it's still scary for him as as a new dad. He doesn't know what what to do at this point. So he's going to fall back on what he knows, which is I'm going to teach him the way that I was taught. But I can't do that because I've been dishonored and I have to go fix that first. Is it the right decision? Probably not.
3: No, but I can understand
2: why he's making that decision.
3: No, I, I, I can see that, too. Yeah. That's a good point.
1: And I suppose, while he hasn't said it, there's probably something in the back of his head where, yes, he's a foundling. He's not a lineage Mandalorian where he probably doesn't feel like he has the privilege where he could take off his helmet the way Bo-Katan can because she is lineage Mandalore. Well, but... Bloodlines.
3: He's, you know? even He's, even in he's that, an adoptee. But even in that episode where he first met Bo-Katan, he got pretty much a history lesson in all of the different factions of men and they're the only ones that don't take their helmet off so it, yeah it's not like it's just this one faction that, that both katan's part of or this lineage that she's part of he understands that there are other uh you know factions that, that it's not a mandalorian thing it just happens to be this group so i, yeah. I don't know it's We'll see, the second episode, and again, I'm tipping my hand, it gave me a lot of hope for the rest of the season because I really, really enjoyed it. But, of course, we'll we'll talk about it next episode. (laughs) (laughs) And you guys will be behind one more. Hopefully
1: (laughs) by then I will have watched. Depending on when we record, it will at least be...
2: I will be I I will be behind every week. Right, yeah. Because because we watch on Tuesday and the new episode drops Wednesday. So then I have to wait a week for it before we can watch it yeah. on Tuesday. Well, and
3: and I, there's no way I'd have been ahead of you guys if we'd have managed to be able to record on Monday, but we had to push till the day. So I got, actually got another yeah. one in.
2: What else have you done?
3: Oh, I was on the uh 5ish Fangirls uh podcast the other day. We were uh, in fact I think that released uh I think that's out now. And uh, we talked about Ant-Man Quantum Mania, and uh, we talked a little bit about it and uh, what we thought of it. And then uh, we kind of expanded and talked about, you know, uh, consequences and speculation and and looks down the road at the uh, MCU as a whole. So it was a lot of fun. I was glad to be on there. And uh, you can check that out by going to the Five-ish Fangirls website and uh, download that episode. Be sure to check them out. We don't we don't plug them as much as we probably should. Um, but it's a, it's a cute little show, um, sort of birthed out of ours. Um, these were gals that, uh, were listeners of our show and we got to be really good friends with them and then they got encouraged to go off and create their own show. And it's, uh, it's more about general fandom and niche fandom in, uh, in general, but, um, it's really good. That's
2: okay. is it a, uh, is it a spoiler filled discussion it
3: about is, Quantumania? It is, it is, spoiler filled. So if you haven't seen Quantumania, don't listen to it yet. <laughs> Make I sure take it, Sean, you have not Make gone sure to see, see it yet.
2: I still haven't been out to see it. I finished
1: my uh, quest through the Miss Peregrine. No- I, I mentioned last week. I read it, finished all the novels. I tracked down the movie from the library and watched
2: it. Isn't it good? No. Oh, really? Is that because <laughs> first, you read the
1: books? It's because I've read the books. I, I don't know how much of it I would have liked otherwise. Anyways, but the first half of the movie, so I wound up watching it. And in in two sittings. And the first half I walked away from going, wow, they did a really good job adapting that so far. There's a couple tweaks that are not, you know, not quite right. Characterizations that are, you know, they switched some powers or powers and ages around for some of the, the peculiars. Then I came back to part two and it just took a dive off a cliff.
3: I heard it goes (laughs) off the rails. I, I heard it went off the rails at the end. I didn't realize it was that early in the,
1: It it starts going off pretty quickly after that. It just change after change after change and things that don't like there is maybe two things that happen through the latter part of the movie that happened in the book. The rest is completely off the deep end in a different direction. My like of the book is strongly outweighing what they did in the movie. So now I want to read the book. Yeah, I highly recommend it, and it's a quick and easy read. I mean, it's it's a young adult book, so it's an, it's pretty easy. And I did appreciate the fact that they used at least one of the original book photos, and at least reposed all the actors in the photos that he pulled for for the book. So they just reshot all the photos with the actors in it, so the faces matched. That was a nice touch. So there were there were some nice aspects of it that. They got right. It's just, it took a third act blockbuster twist that didn't need
3: it. Well, we know there was something else that you did too, Keith. Uh, You got a chance to uh, play the new uh, Lost in Time mobile app. And um, yeah, that's also your uh, something new two-minute review.
1: Yes, it is. So this new mobile app just came out today. It's called Doctor Who Lost in Time. It's a nice little... So far, I'm only a a little bit into it. Um, It's a nice little game where it's a farming-type game. And I'm not normally a farming game fan, but you're the doctor who's trapped with Yaz, so it's the, the 12th doctor, or 13th doctor, and the TARDIS isn't working. So you have to collect Vortex energy in order to try to get the TARDIS to work again. And then you wind up interacting with prior versions of yourselves. Canine shows up and helps you out. Um, You wind up, so you initially show up in unit base. And so the first thing, the first quote unquote farm you set up is in the unit base and you eventually unlock characters that can help add multipliers to uh, the farms to make it easier to collect your vortex energy And then there are other things that you can unlock in order to uh, or that you can purchase or earn in order to unlock future things and, you know, move forward. My biggest complaint with it is there are episodes, quote unquote, to them. And every time you start a new episode, you have to restart your farms. So that is my biggest complaint with it. Otherwise, it's really fun. The art is is nice it's got a nice feature where K9 can go and collect the Vortex Energy for you, so when you're away, it will automatically harvest it for you so you don't lose anything. Uh, it's got some nice pairings that you don't really expect. Uh, Tin and Sarah Jane are there, and uh, Scaro? There's a lot of really cool stuff to it, so I'd I'd recommend downloading it. The, the dialogue is pretty spot-on The to characterization, too. Oh, is it? Oh. Pretty good, yeah. Well, There's music, I, uh, but my phone's always on silent, so
2: I don't know.
3: I just downloaded it, so I'm gonna <laughs> start playing tonight. <laughs> did,
2: did you hear the uptick in his voice? Did you hear it? And hey, we do the thing, and you got to do this, and a Canine shows up. Yeah. <laughs> <and> <laughs> I got excited.
3: He did what get you excited. <laughs> well, very good. Sounds like fun, and uh, I'm gonna check it out. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Ristburg and your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, and of course this uh, week we're doing Doctor Who, the Abominable Snowman. The uh, animated version came out in North America just at the end of last year, and so we've all finally gotten a copy of it and, and managed to get it on the schedule, so that's going to be what we're reviewing.
0: There is great danger. The Yeti. The abominable snowmen. The doctor. He has returned. Where are these mountains? Don't you know where the Himalayas are? They're in India. No, not India. This is Tibet.
2: That's where we are, Tibet. Now, there's no time to be lost. I think I'll go and have a scout
0: around. There's something happening on this mountain. I can feel it. We are besieged. The Yeti have turned upon us. Uh, at least that is what we thought until... Until I turned up.
3: They're here, somewhere on these mountains.
0: I discovered the Yeti.
3: The honor's mine, but you want to take it from me.
0: Fear makes us imagine all sorts of things, including creatures that don't seem to be flesh and blood. Evil. The feeling of evil. I can... Um, shadow on my mind this thing that's here this evil it will spread it has to be stopped and i think i can do it
2: now stop playing games and open these doors
0: or are you afraid to meet me face to face
1: Mysterious forces are at work in 1930s Tibet. Savage Yeti are besieging a Buddhist monastery. The second doctor, Jamie and Victoria, arrive expecting a friendly welcome from the Abbot, but soon become ensnared in the plans of the extra-dimensional being known as the Great Intelligence.
3: (laughs) Animation-wise, I would give it high marks. The right. animation is phenomenal. I think that this is, and, and this is the difficult thing about this, is we've already reviewed the story for this years ago when, uh, I believe it was when the Snowman was debuting, we did a, an artificial, no, not artificial, <laughs> great intelligence. We've got all this artificial intelligence stuff going on now. The Great Intelligence, we did an adversary archive. So we reviewed this, and of course we did uh, Web of Fear because it had just been recently uh, – the episodes had been recently found. Lost episodes have been recently found. So we actually reviewed this and went over the story. So I think probably what we're going to do is we'll focus more on the uh, animation, but I think you can't go – you can't talk about some of the way this is animated without rehashing some of the stories. So, I think that's okay, too, to, to discuss that a little bit.
1: And if I remember correctly – Sean didn't get the recons watched back then. I was to throw you under the bus. I wasn't but... going to
3: call him out, but <laughs> <laughs> I am. Talking, yeah. I want, but because I, I want to hear his input. So this is—that's true. This would be Sean's first experience with the story, too. It's
2: funny you say that because as I watched this, I, I, I knew that we had reviewed it, and I remembered nothing,
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and I could not, for the life of me, figure out. I was actually going to ask. Did we review this? (laughs) Did I miss it? Because I don't remember this. So yes, it was all new to me. And uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm totally gonna tip my hand here, and and uh, Andy will have to forgive me. Even having watched this now, I still feel like I'm fuzzy on the whole. (laughs) What is the timeline of the Great Intelligence here? Because we're dropped into the middle in in a way. This is the middle segment of this intelligence story, of, of technically four. This is the, the third one, because no, it, it'd be two. Well, if if you here's how this works. Oh, okay. From because the doctor shows up and he's been to the monastery before, but it was an adventure that we didn't get to see,
3: and it, and it had he was nothing, given the bell. And it had nothing to do with the great intelligence. Yeah, no and great had, intelligence.
2: Now, was that episode actually filmed? No, it
3: was this just ju- was just, just a just was a just to the, to... yeah it was just a callback. This was okay. They had helped he had helped them before. They gave him the bell to keep safekeeping. I mean, this we all get we get all this from the the you get story, all of that in the exposition. But... He was given the bell for safekeeping. He's had it all this time. Had forgotten he had it. They show up and he realizes, oh, I could give this bell back. And that's that's all there is to that. Yeah, I think
2: that the bells. The Ness, way that's set up, it feels like. But
3: the bells nest There was a whole other adventure we just missed out on. No, it's not. Well, we. I mean, it's kind of an off off camera adventure, but it had nothing to do with the Great Intelligence. It just happened to do with this Tibetan monastery and Padmasamsavat Padmas, was, you know, the uh, uh, abbot or the, whatever his title is um, at that time too. I think that's just this was a the bell is a way for us to recognize that something's afoot mm-hmm. here because uh, Padmas Padmus pa, involved <laughs> Padme is going to um have <laughs> is going to you know it, it's he shouldn't be around still and so I think that that's just it's a it's a mechanism to set that up
2: well and that's so, that's the other that part of it sad. for me is that that Panda has you know, been asked for projecting and <laughs> I
3: like that one.
2: been taken over by the great intelligence in a previously unseen adventure that we are not privy to. Right. Because he's it's, already controlled by the... So it feels like not, these two things it, go together, it, it but they ha- don't. It did they,
3: happen between, yeah. 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 So, yeah.
2: So that to me was, I spent a lot of wheel turning trying to figure out... And and, try, and literally trying to convince myself that this was the second great intelligence story, and that Web of Fear comes first, and it doesn't. I had to. I, I really had to. Because Travers is the wrong age, and there are just there are a lot of pieces of this. I story. mean,
1: technically, it is the second great intelligence story because now snowmen. the snowman comes first. In, so yes, yeah, so now the
2: snowman comes
1: first in
3: the in the intelligences timeline. Snowman is first, then abominable snowman, and then Web of Fear. In the doctor's timeline. It's uh the way we've had it. So
2: Right. And and again, technically, there's a fourth adventure that's missing that's actually episode two, because the snowman would come first from the great intelligence story arc, then he would take over Panda. Then he comes to the monastery in well, Tibet.
3: No, I I mean So I the, just I don't think yeah. we need an adventure where he takes over pa- Panda. I think that's the that that's the idea is that I mean, we we show up in episodes where things have happened that have set up events that we have to fix. So I don't think there's an in-between story here. I think that's the wrong way to say it. We just know that, from the evidence in this story, we just know that Panda's been taken over um, by the great intelligence and has been manipulating the events here in order to take over the world.
2: Right. And it, it just... Maybe there's actually because... a fourth
3: story. It's called Downtime. <laughs> and there's actually a fifth story. It's called, I mean, <laughs> there's a whole bunch Knight of, of the intelligence. yeah, there's, mean, there's a whole, whole bunch other... more in uh, yeah. the, uh, the, yeah. uh, Lethbridge Sturge, bo- Sturge books. But, I,
2: I think that's my downfall. Seriously. You're coming uh, at it from the wrong perspective. Really. I, I, I've done it backwards because I've come to it knowing all of the previous stories. And so I've just kind of mentally slotted the information I needed here And then I got to here and found out, oh, we didn't give you all that in this one either. (laughs) So it's just like, what what happened to this story? Um, But, you know, I I get it. You know, I don't need to be handheld most of the time. But this was an instance of because of all of the, the, the lore that has been built up out of this, I still feel like I'm a little lost at times watching this going. Okay, so when did he get zapped, and why is he here, and what's with the bell? Did I miss something with that? And I mean, there, there was just a lot of... I was very confused for most of it. Okay. So then once I realized that, no, I did miss it and didn't get to the recons, and this is my legit first viewing of this story, um, which I'm, ex- once again, extremely grateful for animation. I love, love, love this animation style with these types of stories, because it, it it's just... I hesitate to say the perfect accompaniment, but it is the perfect accompaniment. There's something very familiar and and warm uh, about it that they're taking this old-school storytelling and pairing it with a very simplistic but good-looking piece of animation. And uh, it just reminded me all over again of why I didn't like Reign of Terror. <laughs> because it's like... <laughs> It's it's just it it just doesn't look right when you do it that way, and and this one it just it fits. I was very impressed with the fact that there are a lot of characters, not just Yeti, but but the monks. There were many crowd scenes where uh you know they they had stuff going on and an action you know set piece, and that they you know they animated it. They they nailed all of it. Now maybe that's allowed because. So much of the first three to four episodes, there's not a lot happening. This is a very dry story. You really could take all six parts of this and condense this down to a three-parter and not miss a beat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And maybe they should have. Maybe they should have given us the other three parts to explain the bell. <laughs> 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 there, was, there was so much that you know, so much exposition of oh, that happened earlier. Meanwhile, let's lock you up in the room again. Uh, okay, I mean, and not even capture and escape kind of stuff. Just, just stay in the room. Okay. And now really, we're gonna let you out of the room.
3: You're really hung up on. Now the,
2: we're gonna put you back in the room. You're really hung up on
3: that <laughs> bell, aren't you? <laughs> I am hung up on the bell. He is.
2: There's a whole fanfic waiting to happen about the bell.
3: It's 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 funny that you. <laughs> this is just marginally related, but it's funny that you. Are reminded that you didn't like Reign of Terror, how much you didn't like Reign of Terror, and you're praising the animation in this. But it's also kind of funny that the group that did, um, well, they co-animated Reign of Terror was Planet Fifty Five Productions, which is who Big Finish Creative bought out and who they've become, and Big Finish Creatives who did the animation for this one. So this group, this animation house, actually co-animated. Rain of terror
2: but do, do you see the difference in style
3: <laughs> yes the, the, that's where it, you know well, they took those cg
1: computer style. skills and put them to the backgrounds because right, the backgrounds were yeah, right. absolutely phenomenal yeah. they did look yeah.
3: great and i think that's what what they they've done good is they've they've taken it and they and i think i like this one better than i i think i praised galaxy four even though i think it had moments where it was too bright and they took too many liberties this one I liked even better and I think they did a better job and I'm with you I think that the animation serves the story well but it does at least with Galaxy 4 I felt like the animation took care of some of the pacing of that story although that that story doesn't have a pacing problem like this one does but it makes this Animation makes the pacing problem, uh, to me, even more obvious in this one. And the, pro- yeah. the the reason being is because if you're seeing this, I think, in live action, and I have seen the second episode because I watched it back when we reviewed this the first time. But if, I, if you uh, actually I made sure to watch I've, the live action I've, and... I've actually even seen it since then, but it hasn't been real recent. Anyway, uh, but when you watch that, the in live action, some of that drawn out, part, the parts that are very drawn out, I want, I don't want to say they're very visual but they almost feel necessary because it's in it's in live action and you're seeing more of what's happening you're seeing the emotion in faces you're seeing those kind of things the 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 pausing the sneaking around there's more personality that comes out in the performance in the animation there's that, more
2: tension building Yeah and the in the yeah.
3: animation they try their best to fill those even especially those silent gaps where there's not a lot going on, they do try to fill those, but they but they feel compelled to slow the character down unnecessarily in order to try to draw some of that attention. But it it kind of backfires and doesn't work. And so I think the the animation makes some of those long drawn out pieces that there is not a lot of audio happening a lot more obvious. And so that that's what I don't like about this. I do like that when you watch, if you watch the uh, Telesnap version and the uh, existing episode, the monastery itself is very confined and small and limited. Um, I do like that they, they've they backed up and they've widened out. You see a lot more of the, the upper level of the monastery. You see a lot more wider shots. They chose to stay on a lot of wider shots. They didn't come in uh, to faces and to uh, things as often as they've done in some of the other animations and, and not just this animation house, but other animation houses where they've done a lot of cuts. This one did a lot more static shots, which I thought really looked good because the backgrounds look so incredible. Also, I don't think it's as vast and wide open as uh, Fury of the Deep, which I, I felt at times they'd open that up almost too much. And mm-hmm. so I think that this kind of meets that that meld between that and Galaxy 4 and kind of makes the animation better. So in that sense, mm-hmm. I think visually there's a lot of things that are, are better about it.
2: Yeah, I'd agree with all of that. I had I they
1: got even they got better on the, the facial emotions, too, on all the characters. I felt like there was a lot more there than we have previously in the past.
3: I agree, yeah.
1: What else were you going to say, Glenn?
3: Oh, uh, just that I had forgotten how cute and cuddly the... Yeti look in this one. They're not so much in fear, but this one they look uh, so cute and cuddly. But I think the animation, while they were trying to still draw and be faithful to that style, they didn't look as cute and cuddly in the animation. So I think that was that was also an improvement. Because if you go back and watch the live action ones, they look was just big giant t- teddy bears. <laughs> They're not very menacing at all in the in the live action anyway.
1: Well, and they they kind of accentuate. And make them be able to move a little better, I think, in the animation.
3: I think the other thing about this, as far as the pacing goes, you know, the the, the, the serial, and we've talked about this and in things in, in, in the past, is was meant to watch a week at a time. So 20 minutes of, of a slow-paced story doesn't feel as long and drawn out. But when it comes out in animation we feel compelled to watch all of it at once because it feels like a Disney movie or it feels like an, you know, an animated film. And so we tend to watch it all together. And I think that, I think that the, the story would be more enjoyable even in the animation, you know, in, in slow doses. See, I, I
0: didn't sit down. And,
2: I did not sit down and watch them all at once. So I didn't, I didn't have
1: as. Oh, how did you watch them, Sean? I,
2: I, I watched them uh, over my lunch breaks at work and I watched one episode a day. Uh, So I was limiting myself to just that one, you know, 20 some odd minute segment, and then I'd step away from it. And then I would come back the next day and watch another 20 some odd minute segment. Um, and I feel like, I I don't disagree with you, Glenn. I think the, the impetus is there, uh, for us to omnibus things and try and just devour the whole story arc at once, especially in animation. Um, but I really wanted to, to slow down and, 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 because of that we've talked about that before and the especially with a capture escape cycle or something where you want to you know re, you have to remember this was a different style of TV telling or storytelling back in the day. um and so I purposely did that with this one and to, there there's some you know in, in a way it extremely helped because of the pacing issues of the story. I, I think if I'd tried to sit through, you know, a Two and a half hour block of it all at once, it would have been like, Ugh.
3: <laughs> and, and I didn't even watch the entire two and a half hour block. I think I watched it in two parts. I think I watched three stories one day or three episodes one day and three episodes the next.
2: But, um, so yes, yeah, breaking it up into smaller doses definitely helped. Um, but it, it just, it did what didn't help is, is, the, is the overall story arc where it's just. Well, it feels like I just watched this because we're back in the silly room. You know, <laughs> we're just, oh, somebody else left the r- stay in the house, Carl. I mean, that's what I kind of felt like I was screaming. <laughs> I think why
3: they, feels,
2: Yetis out there. Why would you go on the mountain again?
3: It does feel very claustrophobic in one location. Um, I do. I do think that you should watch the. um surviving a uh, surviving episode for sure just to get better looks of the hills of whales <laughs> that they shot in that was a stand in for uh tibet um but
1: did you guys watch the bonus feature i did of and it's even, in tibet
3: yeah it's even more gorgeous <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, they almost didn't do it justice yeah no you're right um, but th- that being said, I am glad that, that they stayed true to even some of the the visuals of that. They could have easily said, "Okay, we're going to animate this as though they're actually in the uh, Himalayas," uh, but they didn't. Mm-hmm. They still chose that look that they ended up getting with, and, and that was fine for what they were doing. And so I was kind of I appreciated that that we still got that. But yeah, the that trout in Tibet with uh, H- Haydock and Fraser and. Uh, the makeup lady—I can't remember her name—that uh, was really, really good. That was that was enjoyable to watch how they used all that location shooting. Sean, it's funny else? that
1: you you struggled with the latter half or the first half because I struggled with the latter half. That really, kind of the the end. I, I don't know if the it felt like the animation didn't quite probably do the action justice enough that it, it just wasn't. It, it just felt dragged out and took forever on the latter half of the story for me than the first half i guess i like the mystery the intrigue and the mystery of everything
2: and the build-up to how things are going to go there's something to be said for that because the the animation style definitely benefits a big lumbering monster um you know we, we we've we've joked about Oh, here comes the Doctor Who monster lumbering out of the ocean or here they come lumbering out of the dark or here they come in a cave or, you know, just they're always lumbering. They have this kind of slow gait to it. And yet the Yeti, that's the perfect personification of that. When you talk about a lumbering beast, that's this is exactly what comes to mind is this giant fur covered claws and it, it staggers as it, you know goes back and forth across screen and the animation is like yeah that's it that's a lumber good job guys <laughs> you, you nailed it
3: <laughs> although even when when i've seen lumbering beasts i don't even think these were as lumbering as some were. they moved at a good pace but still gave that lumbering effect that necessity for that yeah so i think it i think that looked good i thought that, that yeah very I agree. effective I think what I've seen even recently in reading other people's reviews is is people talking about how they've accused Victoria of being disrespectful uh, in entering the inner sanctum or whatever it is. I... In watching it after seeing those reviews, I don't don't see that at all because it's not like she's barging in there as though she has some privilege. She's going in there mostly out of necessity and... I mean, they know something's up here. Personally, something's, out
1: of curiosity. Yeah,
3: and something's going on here, and I think she's well aware. And it's that exploratory nature of being with a doctor and trying to find out well, what exactly is happening here. And so I don't. I think she's being falsely criticized for you know that, or the characters being falsely criticized for that, because I kind of feel that it's made clear to us that you know she's yeah, it's it's curiosity and it's. It's exploratory because she's trying to, you know, she's trying to find out, get to the bottom of what, you know, what's going on here.
2: If if anything, it's far less egregious than Sarah Jane going, oh, restricted, what's in this room? And barging in, (laughs) you know, investigative reporter or not, be damned, you know, it says keep out, woman. Um, And Victoria, I feel like, as you said, she had a reason to, to investigate this despite everybody saying oh don't go in there don't bother the guy it's like yeah but we've looked everywhere else yeah
3: yeah and
1: it's a little frustrating also that once she gets in there then she gets falls into the companion trope of getting hypnotized and then you know that takes a whole episode in and of itself to get her unhypnotized and <laughs>
2: so i i get why they sent her in there
1: but it also becomes a little frustrating on the back end of it in that aspect well it is i was
2: so happy when uh, they got there and uh, jamie and Tommy are they're smashing up the machinery not the important looking machinery mind you just the stuff on the wall but okay well they're doing their thing and the doctor is is, is paralyzed as he's fighting with with the great intelligence and you can tell that there's some sort of mental force standoff even though they're not moving, I mean, it's not like they 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 didn't animate the uh, the Aquaman rays or anything. It was just <laughs> just there, and it worked. It totally worked for it. And then Victoria comes in, and I'm like, "Oh, Victoria's going to get to save the day. This will be great." Nope, she's just going <laughs> to stand there and scream, "I can't do it." And it's like, "Ah." I was really Dude. hoping for more. <laughs>
1: I mean, as we've got to see more Victoria, overall, she's not as much of the screaming Violet as everyone kind of thought she was. But then there are instances where she does wind up falling into that trope. And it's a shame because she's so good when she's not doing that sort of thing, Mm -hmm. especially considering the she's a period character, you know?
2: From yeah, I was I, I was I was really hoping for other Victoria instead of this Victoria when we got to that scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it is what it is, you know, the 60s. I did
3: like I think the,
1: Go ahead. Oh, oh one, one of the things that I part of why it feels like probably the latter half struggles is the Doctor is much more subdued in this story. The Troutonisms and the Trouton-eshness of this Doctor isn't as strong. Later In the later half of the stories, where he's a little bit more prominent, a little more in the front, a little bit more the doctor we're used to. And I don't know if it's the gravity of the situation that makes him go a bit more serious and a bit more withdrawn or why exactly. But there's a change somewhere there in the latter half of the story that makes him just... Not as large of a presence as he normally is. Well, I think, and it's, that's why I like the Trouton story. It's Trouton, and he's so good. And while it's a good performance, it's just such a a different performance than what I'm used to from him that it hmm. it takes the enjoyment down a little bit for me.
3: I think it's a little bit there in the beginning because what what seemed a bit off for me was the doctor's insistence that that uh, Jamie and Victoria stay in the TARDIS and he go off and do this. And we haven't had that a lot of times with the Trouton Doctor where he feels like he needs to put his companions, you know, out of reach of danger. Um, I mean, he's, he's not running them headlong into, you know, terrible situations, but he's never really felt this protective of them. And so that was almost... a little offsetting at the, at the beginning. And I think that leads to sort of that standoffishness and, uh, you know, uh, almost isolation that he the feeling of isolation that you get with his character, because he's continuing to go off and do things on his own. And
1: I never you know, got the impression he thought there was a danger there. Like he doesn't know there's Yeti. He doesn't know the great intelligence is there. So why leave them behind?
3: Right. Maybe he just thought See, he was, was going to pop in and, and drop the bell off. I don't <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I Well, I, I think, I think I disagree with that before that reason, I think his insistence on, Oh no, 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 you stay. I'll go and do this real quick and let you know when it's safe. He's already on guard about something, and we yeah. don't know what it is. And my whole confusion about the bell, I think that fed into that. Oh, I, I think I picked okay. up on that and I that's another reason that. why okay, there's obviously some history here beyond you, you know what I mean I, yeah, I feel yeah, like that, I that, that, that 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 played that. into that. so yeah, that makes that. sense. yeah, definitely. there's a uh, an oddness about that.
3: I do like the change of uh, look for Padma Samzava. I think that in the, at least in the um, last episode of the reconstruction, it's very clearly that they've, they've used, you know, prosthetics or makeup in order to make the guy look older. Um, but it doesn't quite, I mean, it, it works, it works for the story when you see that alone, but then when you see this and he's kind of more ethereal and more of a monster, I think, uh, mummy Yeah. Mummy mm-hmm. He, it works a lot better, especially at the end when he just kind of poofs to dust. Cause it sounds like from the behind the scenes thing, they originally, now we didn't get, we wouldn't have got to see this on TV anyway, cause they cut it, but it sounds like they melted a skull and kind of had a kind of a gruesome end that way. Um, which would have been Indiana Jones death. Yeah. Yeah. Which would have been very effective as well. Well, and even dragon fire death, we had the same thing. After yeah, dragon that's fire. true. Um, but we, you know, it, it would have been effective as well, but I think this worked because he is such, you know, in that mummified state or seems to be in that mummified state that when he just kind of, you know, poofs into dust, it, it, it really works. It's effective. Um,
1: yeah, I, I like, I like the animation of him. The... <laughs> That's, he's another reason probably why it feels like it drags in the later half of the story for me is because his performance and his dialogue just takes forever forever so and, so and he purposeful. becomes more prominent and more yeah. prominence. You're right. It's, I'll give in, you the that la- one. in
3: the last two episodes, especially there's a lot of, a lot of off-screen dialogue from this guy.
1: And he does a great job. It just takes forever to do it because yeah. he alternates between that sinister and the normal so well it's just okay, <laughs> speed it up, a little guy.
3: And there's a there's a lack of background music in this. and I know there's a lot of doctor who, especially in the early days that does not rely on you know you know musical scores in the background, but this one seemed noticeably lacking and I don't know if it's I think maybe part of that is because they obviously felt like they needed that uh, blowing snow aspect to give that uh, Himalayas Tibetan feel. And that almost becomes not necessarily distracting, but almost a little too noticeable at times. And to the point where I, I felt like that should have kind of blended into the background. And sometimes I was, I was sitting there thinking, wow, I, that wind's really blowing out there. <laughs> so, I don't know if you guys yeah, this noticed is, that either.
2: I, I did. And in fact, I, I, I think this one, not that I'm an advocate for changing things for the sake of changing them, but I'd be curious if you took Oh, say a Tom Baker soundtrack with the bum bum bum. You know that that particular music cue that, that they use frequently with them, and and put that to the story. You know, yeah uh marching around a corridor before you get locked in the room again. And <laughs> I, I, well, I, it, I think I think it could. It might I think not, it could liven things up a yeah, bit. Yeah,
3: it might not make it feel so so dragged out and stagnant. I think that the audio is some of the best audio. I remember listening to this thing because I I did the, the reconstruction and then I also did the audio with linking narration, which I believe was, I think Frazier did this one. And uh, I remember struggling at times to hear the audio in this, but boy, they've really cleaned the audio up from those old tapes and they sound great. This one, I don't there wasn't anywhere that I felt like I didn't understand or, or couldn't hear what somebody was saying.
1: Yeah, definitely not.
3: Well, anything on anything on this? I guess you know until the, the the realization. Watching this was until there's an official announcement. We have the the unofficial uh, announcement that it, that there is some, but this is the last animation for now. So
1: again, I the animation Officially. is so so good that I wish they wanted to, they would do more and finish off what we're missing.
3: No, and, and like I say, if if the, that right up from the what was it the mirror or the sun that was the mirror I think was is right, you know we, we they're at least going to announce two this year. I don't know that we'll get them this year, but they are going to announce two, and the uh, alleged colorized episode too. Um, but you know it's it. I I think that they've, especially with Galaxy Four and um, Vominal smoke Man they've shown that they have a good track record and that, that these things look good now. These They're, they're really doing neat things with them. Uh, Fury from the Deep was good. Even ones that weren't necessarily uh, Big Finish Creative involved were good. I think that we, obviously everybody had a problem and, and rightfully so with the animation that was in uh, Web of Fear for the the one missing episode. But yeah, uh, I think they've proven that, that animation is the way to go and you can make it look good without feeling like you have to be entirely beholden beholden (laughs) to shooting scripts i think what i appreciated on this one well as well is there is a reconstruction version on this so you have the option to see a reconstructed version and it has the existing episode on there so that that's you know available as well
2: just like once again, we've been given a black and white version as well as a color sure, version, right. which I appreciate it. If, if, if you're going to do it, just go ahead and give it to us. And, yeah, I'll shell out a couple extra bucks for a three-disc set in order to secure all of the available options on it. Yeah. Um, which
1: I have to say, on the last couple, the color, I think, has been superior. And this one, I think it was pretty even. I watched the first couple episodes in black and white and then the last part in color, and I, I felt that they were pretty much on par with each other.
3: Well, to be fair, there's yeah, I, there's not a lot of colorful aspects about this. One, that's though. true. Well, I, I think
2: <laughs> with this one too, the the, the remote location, the, uh, the the claustrophobic nature, in some ways, lends itself to that black and white, you know, mm-hmm. horror story kind of feel to it. Um, but then you're right, uh, you know, the the Himalayas and the, the the outdoor elements to it, it's the colors popped so. It, uh, it, it definitely fit the bill in both ways. I think my only complaint in comparing this to Web of Fear, the spheres didn't glow in <laughs> Web of Fear. And when these all glow, I, I, I think uh, the spheres are incredibly effective and eerie and creepy when they just beep, beep beep and then they start rolling across the floor on their i mean that's that's a that's did an the, awesome setup for something did the individual and I don't remember
3: ones glow in this one i thought they did I when they were in the pyramid but it didn't yeah when they're they in the pyramid to, they, they they cast that did, glow but then... but but we didn't have well yeah we didn't have them in pyramids in fear though right we had them in pyramids in uh downtime but they didn't in fear so there wouldn't be any. I thought there was a pyramid in fear. There was. There was a but pyramid it was, at the end, but I don't know that it had. It was that one that the doctor got in. It wasn't oh, the control okay. spheres. Maybe they were stacked up there next to it, though. Now that I think about it. Anyway, but I don't remember them glowing individually. Did they like when they were on their own, just rolling around? Maybe they did. I don't know. I, I, didn't, I, no, I don't recall think so. that, but Maybe they Am did Am
2: I wrong? I don't recall that either.
1: The, the only glow Maybe I remember, I'm stuck on the scene in the cave.
3: Well, they, and they did. They, they glow when they're stacked, and then they the the whatever they're putting out. Oh, that was another thing you're talking about the cave. I think now it's clearer in my mind where in Travers and Wells, when Travers is in the cave and this is where he's taken to, Mm. he's transported to the, the future past. I think that I understand clearly now where that event is. It's when he's, he's gone into the cave and he's come out and he's been unconscious and then he ends up stumbling back to the cave, and that. So in that time between there is when all of that outer body future stuff happens, obviously. In in, you know, for this time it's it's very condensed, but you know all of these adventures that he has, Travers and Wells. Mm-hmm. So I, I that actually seemed a bit more clear to me watching it this time. So
1: that makes sense. That's a very good point.
3: We put out on Twitter a uh, tweet asking that if anybody wanted to uh, give us a little quick review, they could do so. We did get a response from Rob over at the uh, Doctor Who show. And uh, he says, uh, some good ideas, interesting characters, and great location, but it doesn't really come together. It is, in effect, a total snooze fest. It just drags along and it doesn't really do much in the end. Watch it for the sake of watching it, and that's about all I can say. <laughs> and I think I think he's probably right there in, in, in some aspects of that.
0: Hi, I'm Rupert Booth. I am known as Paul Ferry.
2: And my name is Barry Williams. Together we host Time Ram.
0: Time Ram's a cruel mistress. It's a random number generator. That also. We roll a number from one to thirty that's our doctor, then one to three hundred for the story, and then we ram them together. Even if it doesn't make sense. Cruel, I tell you. Time round.
1: Putting the wrong doctors in the wrong stories, so you don't have to. You're listening to Travelling the Vortex.
0: You were invited on an adventure across all of time and space, in a completely random order. It's the Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. Jump in the TARDIS with your hosts. Eric Kilbranson. Asad Khashki. And Matthew Kressel. Explore Doctor Who TV stories, audio adventures, and books, both novels and nonfiction. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast. It's the entire who On shuffle. The Police Box in the Junkyard podcast is a member of the Direction Point Network and is available about once a month wherever you find your podcasts. You are listening to Traveling the Vortex.
3: Sean, what do you got coming up with the schedule?
2: Well, coming up next, we uh, dip back into the uh, Time War with The War Doctor Begins, box set number two, Warbringer. And we will cover all of the elements of that story. And then we start our look at Season 6B. So you're going to get some more Trouton. Uh, We will uh, cover the novelization, the target novelization of the war games, and then a uh, short trip BBC book called War Crimes. And then we'll go back to the Time War with War Doctor Begins 3 Battlegrounds. And then some really fun stuff that I'm excited for with our 60th anniversary tie-in this year. Uh, The uh, uh, Doctor Who Weekly Panini Comics, The Iron Legion And then uh, also the comic strip adaptations that Big Finish did of that story. So I think that's going to be a great compare and contrast. A lot of fun. All of of that and more.
3: All right. You can find us on our website, travelinthevortex.com. If you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on our Patreon link and consider supporting us. We've got another Quest show coming up very, very soon for those of you that are members and get some dip into those exclusives. And we're also going to have... uh, we got Sean's uh, Star Trek reviews will continue over there, and he is starting season one of DS9, so that will be up very soon. So look for that. Um, if you could just give us, you know, just a couple of dollars a month, you get access to all this, and it completely helps us to keep the lights on here at Traveling Vortex. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you uh, subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you join in the conversation on Facebook and our listeners' forum. There you can engage with listeners and share your thoughts and insights about this and maybe tell us what you think of this story. Anything else we need to cover before we close this show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn.
2: I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening.
3: You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point. Direction point. A Doctor Who Podcast Network.